Have you ever had doubts? Doubts about your faith or doubts about what God's doing in your life or even his character and who he is? I think most of us have. Those of us who are followers of Jesus at one point or another in our journey, we've wondered, did I get this right? Am I on the track that that God wants me on? Is he really who he said he would be? We're going to look at that today. Now, John the Baptist is one of the most fascinating guys in Scripture, and he had this moment of doubt that is classic for all believers, especially whose current situation doesn't exactly match their own preconceived, predetermined uh, idea or plan. And that's never more true than when you have been, you know, as best as you know, as best you can be, you have been obedient, you know, and followed God's plan as you understood it. You think, why is this not working out? Well, sitting in prison really challenged John's, uh, this revelation he had had and this testimony about Jesus that he proclaimed in Matthew chapter 3 and how confident he was in that. Here's the big idea about today's message. We're not guaranteed all of our preconceived (laughs) conclusions, at least in this world, of God's plan for us. And God has this plan, and then we insert or weave into that sometimes our own plans. And when we don't see those happen, it causes us to doubt. Here's the application point of today. Those preconceived conclusions to God's plan can sometimes create doubt as we experience, like we're going through right now, and we experience these changes in our preset assumptions. I want you to see how this happened in John the Baptist's life. And here's a snapshot of that moment in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at the first verse. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The blame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. John was wasting and languishing in this this gloomy, dark dungeon in the castle of Machias. It was on the shores of the Dead Sea, far away from everything It was hard for him to keep that vision. And I think the darkness of that cell just just 
impressed his spirit. And it probably raised the question and maybe seemed a little strange in his mind. If Jesus is the Messiah, then why does he not overthrow this tyrant, Herod? And why doesn't he release me from prison? Sometimes we wonder, God, why aren't you doing good things for me? Don't you see? Don't you understand? Do you care? Hey, when you're in doubt, and there will come a time you will be, go straight to Jesus and ask him all your questions. Ask him to deal with it. Ask him for help, and he'll be there for you. Now, our Lord didn't debate or try to reason with these messengers when they came. He wasn't frustrated. He didn't throw up his hands. He just simply pointed to the works that the Father had given him to do. And then he showed how I'm doing those. You know, if our lifestyle, if our heart, our practice supports Jesus as the Messiah then our life plan is secure. It's locked in regardless of all the numerous recalculations that are going to happen along the way. Just like with your GPS when you're on a trip. God's going to recalculate our plans. And I think he's using this season, I think he's using this pandemic to recalculate some of our priorities And to come back to us with the question, you know, are you really in? Do you really trust and do you really believe? Jesus didn't seek opinions. He didn't take any surveys. Because these were the exact attributes that the prophets said you would see and would be verifications of Messiah when he comes. So if all of these marks were found in Jesus... That left John and John's disciples uh, to figure it out and to draw their own conclusions. Christ is always best known by his works. We can look at everything that he did and that he still does in our lives. And how he shows himself, especially in his people, it's through us. He is seen in our lives. That's how people are going to know him. Verse 6 was the ultimate test of, you know, when it comes to recalculating uh, after our plans change. And I think as believers, as followers of Jesus, we can't ever forget that God's ways are so much higher than ours. And his uh, overarching plan is what's preeminent. So regardless of the changes that you're going through right now, And I know a lot of folks, I've even heard this week of some of the abrupt changes and surprises that people have had uh, through this. Whether those are right, whether they're wrong, whether they have nothing to do with it, they're just, you know, indifferent. Jesus says this, you're blessed. Blessed is the one who does not fall away when those things happen on account of Jesus. Now, you've probably already learned things aren't always everything you expected them to be. It's hard not to become a little jaded or a little cynical or even apathetic 
uh, as you go forward, especially during an event uh, like the one we're going through that just seems to go on and on. As John the Baptist sat in that grimy, dirty little prison cell, I think he was trying to figure out and to be sure of who Jesus was. Was Jesus everything that John had expected him to be or not? Uh, is this the same John the Baptist, you know, who had seemed so bold and confident? I mean, this was the man who was the voice in the wilderness. You know, he was, you had this image of him in Judea as he's out calling out to people. In Matthew 3, 2, he said, repent, you know, for the kingdom of God has come near. He is with us, you know. And I mean, he just proclaimed these things with just this audacious, confident spirit. This was the man who was carrying out the special mission that God had chosen him, had handpicked him for, to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. Wow. One day, you know, John was with his disciples, and Jesus came walking by, and John jumps up, and he points at Jesus, and he shouts out, Look, the Lamb of God! who takes away the sin of the world. It's in John one twenty nine. Wow, he said that with such authority. There didn't seem to be any question in John's mind whatsoever on that day who Jesus really was. So what happened? I mean, what, what, how come now? He's questioning and doubting. Jesus, I just want to make sure I've got this right. You are the one, right? Or should we look for somebody else? You know, it might help us to remember why John was in prison. John had been put in prison by this regional ruler uh, named Herod Antipas. Uh, Herod had decided to take his brother's wife, Herodias, as his own wife. And there's a lot of drama <laughs> going on in the first century. So John comes along, and when he just openly said, you know, that's wrong. Herod, what, what you've done is sinful, and this, this is an awful thing. Herod was embarrassed, and he was ashamed, and he was not happy with John's assessment of the situation and what had happened. I mean, nobody else had the courage to speak up about it. Herod could do whatever he wanted to do, so he threw John in prison. Now think about that. John had done the right thing. And for the last several weeks, I've hammered that. And I've asked you again and again, you know, to do, just do the next right thing. Just do the right thing as God leads you through this. That's exactly what John had done. He said, I did the right thing. <laughs> I've been faithful to the Lord. I've been faithful to God's word. And where did it get him? He's now in jail. <laughs> I mean, considering the circumstances, you know, I think we might be able to you know, give him a little grace and understand how John could legitimately begin to wonder, Jesus, what's going on? You know, John needed to be reassured. 
you're the one. And I'm pointing to everybody to you. Tell me I've got this right. While talking with some of his disciples, they had come to visit him while he was in prison. John sent two of them back to Jesus, and he had this very specific, just one question. (laughs) I just want to ask you one question. In verse 3 of chapter 11, he said, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus' answer is just so efficient and so to the point and so interesting. Jesus said, go back and report to John. What do you see and what do you hear? The blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are being cleansed. The deaf are hearing. The dead are being raised. The good news is being proclaimed to the poor. All of these things are happening. So where does Jesus point John to for the answer? He points him to Scripture. Scripture that John knows and that he's probably memorized and that he's heard about ever since he was a little boy. He specifically points him back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah who said so much about who Messiah would be and what he would do. And then Jesus says, match that with what I'm doing, with who I am. John, you know the answer. Jesus is exactly what Messiah was promised to be. You know, it might be easy for us to wonder, second guess John, and think, how could you miss something so obvious? How can you not see it? But I've been there. Maybe you've been there. God's answers aren't always obvious and plain when you're the one sitting there, when you're the one going through the situation and you're thinking about these things and and nothing's going exactly as you had planned for it to go. There are times when doubts and questions come pretty quickly and pretty easily. And you begin to wonder, God, are you really everything that I thought you were? Is your power and your goodness and your grace and your love, is all that really true? Because I just don't see it evident. I mean, I've been praying and you didn't answer the way I wanted you to. You didn't answer in the timing that I thought would have been perfect for it. And I've just got these questions. And some of you will even wonder, you know, is it worth being a Christian? Is, is this even worth it? When you find yourself in these situations, and they're going to come, go ahead. Be like John. <laughs> Take your questions to Jesus. It's okay. He can handle it. He welcomes that. But then, just like John, be ready to listen to Jesus' answer. Because Jesus' answer is the same for us today that it was then. God points us to Scripture. He awakens your spirit with his word. And he shows that everything he's promised, he will do. 
He may bring back to your memory moments of your life when you were desperate or you were in a crisis, when your heart was broken or you were broke or you felt rejected or, you know, all of these things were happening and God came through again and again and again and again. So faithfully, so beautifully, so consistently. Don't forget. Don't forget that. And don't forget that you're not the one in the center of the story. You know, you're one of the characters in God's story. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but there's a bigger story at play. And God's always been consistent and faithful in that. So don't, don't forget you know, that he, he comes and he says, stand with me at the beginning of time when there's nothing except God and watch as he calls into existence everything in the universe. He tells us to listen carefully and don't forget the promise that I made 6,000 years ago to Adam and Eve after they had absolutely ruined the perfect life he had given them and that he wanted all of us to experience Listen, as God tells a descendant how a descendant of Eve would live and die in the place of every sinner so that we could all once again have the perfect life that God intended for us all along. Walk with God through all the pages of the Old Testament as he keeps promise after promise after promise, revealing one detail after another, fulfilling, fulfilling all these prophecies about what the promised Messiah would be. I mean, even down to where he would be born and when he would be born, all these circumstances, how he would suffer and die in the place of sinners, how he would bring peace once and for all between God and man. See God's faithfulness uh, in that promise, even when people forget even when we doubt, even when we walk away from it, God's ability to keep those promises never changes. Watch as God orchestrates all of human history and he perfectly fulfills hundreds of these prophecies written over thousands of years. It's incredible. All these things about Messiah, every single one of those perfectly accomplished in Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. Then you see the miracles of Jesus performed and witnessed by thousands. Every one of them evidence, you know, blatant evidence of his divine power. And then you can stand at the foot of the cross and you can hear Jesus call out with his dying breath that Satan has been crushed and defeated once and for all, for all time price of our sin has been paid. The penalty has been dealt with and now peace can be ours. He is not here. The angels of God proclaim as Jesus demonstrates his power even over death. He's alive. He's alive. I think it's so easy at least for me, probably for you, to relate to John the Baptist in this moment of crisis that he has. John's faith was not perfect, and neither is ours. There are times of doubt, and there are times of question in every Christian's life. But our faith is in a Savior who is faithful. 
and is perfect. What brought John the Baptist renewed peace and this confidence as these two disciples returned back, you know, to Herod's prison and, and they shared with him, here's what Jesus said. I can only imagine John's response as he just thought that through, as they unfolded that once again and he you know, maybe just said, how could I have ever doubted Jesus? This is the Savior. And he was ready. He was ready to lock in and go on with Jesus. Jesus makes our faith perfect. And he forgives our doubts. And with that forgiveness, he creates in us a brand new, deeper, greater appreciation for God's faithfulness. And he strengthens us through that. Now, I want to wrap up with this, something that I think is kind of beautiful and powerful, that that Jesus said to the crowds after John's disciples you know, left. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. He goes on to talk about John. And he said this. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? A man dressed in fine clothes? A prophet? Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Whoever is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. In other words, we're all equal in Christ. John had this unique, powerful, special ministry that God had trusted him. But he was a man. He was just like us. But on the heels of his doubt, this insult... This, this moment of wavering in his life, Jesus was rock solid. And even though John doubted Jesus, Jesus never doubted John. And he doesn't doubt you. He's there and he sees you and he loves you. It wasn't long after this that John's ministry came to an abrupt end. Herod had thrown this big party for himself. Uh, and he promised this provocative, you know, pretty young dancing girl um, anything that she would request of him. And she just so happened to be the daughter of Herodias, who was the new wife of Herod Antipas. She didn't like John. She had been humiliated by what John had said about her in this new relationship she had with Herod. So she asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter and she got it. Herod reluctantly had John beheaded. So while John's death meant that he wouldn't see the crucifixion, he wouldn't see Jesus' resurrection, John could go forward and he would live and die with the same confidence that we can have too. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one God promised. Even when you're having doubts, even if you've got questions, He sees you. And he knows. And He's everything you will ever need. 